Hello and welcome to the Sensibly Speaking Podcast. This is Chris Shelton coming at you for what is hopefully another hour of podcasting greatness. And this week for our special Christmas 2021 holiday edition, I asked my beautiful wife, Melissa, to join me. Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you. And hello, everyone. Hey, everybody. So this year, we thought, well, our podcast is falling on Christmas and the holiday season has been... Oh, all the words it usually is, <laughs> good and bad, Oh yeah, this year. And we have been experiencing some of the uh, dips as well as some of the uh, rises with uh, COVID and its influence on our lives. We are unfortunately home this year because we had um, planned on doing a whole family thing and uh, COVID made that uh, without getting into any of the details that nobody yeah. needs to know. It just made that uh, next to not working this year. So we thought we would share some of our Christmas joy with you guys uh, because we know you're celebrating out there and are having maybe some of you are having some of the same issues that we're having. Yeah. And maybe we should just collectively, <sighs> damn it. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Together a and have, have a little <laughs> hangout together. Exactly. Now, we did have some things we wanted to talk about, but before we get into that, we did want to dwell a little bit on the holiday season. Yeah. It is a special time of the year and one that we try so hard to enjoy and just sort of give ourselves that little time off, that little break. And, you know, also, of course, uh, it's it's reflective of you know, the end of the year. And we had some thoughts we wanted to share with you guys. But one of the first things I thought is the most fun that I am having with Christmas now is cooking. I am really, really enjoying, uh, and I've made comments every now and again about getting into cooking and how fun it is. And and uh, and it is work. It is. It definitely can be. But at the same time, it can be so uh, so creative and, and you have such a good time doing it. And you get to bring joy and happiness to other people uh, through your culinary delights, you know, through the things you get to create with your own hands. And this year, I thought I would try something different. We were, um, we've done um, uh, the, the little Cornish hens, mm -hmm. and this year I was going to do the whole family turkey, which didn't work out, but that's fine. We'll figure that out in the new year. Um, oh, of course, Mel is dressed yes. for the occasion. You must see this sweater in its entirety. <laughs> yes. The struggle is real. <laughs> it shows Santa uh, <laughs> trying to get down the chimney. So this is our bad sweater, our bad uh, yeah, Christmas our sweater, sweater edition. Also, <laughs> I failed to mention that earlier. I, uh, unfortunately, in our move, I had two brilliant, ugly Christmas sweater uh, sweaters. One was a Star Wars themed sweater and the other had bells on just like Mel's yeah. does. And uh, you can kind of shake your shake your bells a little bit <laughs> and uh, and this year uh, i i guess in the move i lost those i was so disappointed i was gonna also come with my with bells on mm -hmm. for christmas this year but instead um so what what i did do this year and what i am sharing with uh with our family as well and i wanted to share with you guys was 
I found this wonderful recipe for Christmas, what I am calling Chris's Christmas Crack. And these are um, these are little crackers that have uh, some caramel sort of uh, dish and chocolate with peppermint candy cane sprinkles on yeah. them. And I just really can't think of something more delightful that I would like to give my wife this year than my crack. I mean, this is the best chocolate and peppermint delightful yeah it's delicious dessert. crack it is it is absolutely wonderful crack i do do you do you like to yeah i like to yeah. put the crack in my mouth and I like it's to, it's just tasty the it's peppermint so adds some nice texture to the crack it does it really melts it's the kind of crack that just melts in your mouth and so if you guys want i will share the recipe for this it's very easy and you too can ha share in the delight of Chris's crack in your mouth for this holiday season. So I hope you guys will mm. check it out. <laughs> now, that all being said, <laughs> we do enjoy our holiday season here. <laughs> mm. Mm. Oh, this is the best crack I think I've ever had. Oh. Mm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. A cracked Christmas, yes. to be sure. Well, let's get on to talking about maybe some other things this year. <laughs> <laughs> I had some thoughts about COVID and science and trying so hard to not chew into the microphone <laughs> here. Right. It's so bad of me. Mm. And specifically, I had some thoughts. Actually, maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should. Maybe I should be more serious now. Here, I'll. I'll. I will. I will take my 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 Christmas accoutrements, or remove them now because I'm. I'm a very serious person. <laughs> <laughs> so serious. Yes, I am. I'm so very serious. Oh. Sometimes you need a little cleanser to get that crack taste out of your mouth after you've after you've had it. The chocolate lingers. Um, science, okay, science literacy. I thought this might be something that we might talk about at the end of the year. Um, it's far from the holiday spirit, but it is at the same time, kind of in a way, you know, from what we were just talking about kind of getting in the way of our holidays a little bit. The fact that more of us mm -hmm. don't know more about this. And I can't, you know, you can't make everybody a scientist. You can't make everybody understand how it all works. But, you, you know, you want to raise the general level of understanding yeah. and, and certainly trust about this. And this is one of the things that I was thinking about that I thought I'd share with you guys. Maybe you could share it with other people as well, you know, is, is the idea that We're, we're running into a lot of people who seem to not trust science, have a hard time with science, seem to be thinking science is somehow ideological, political, uh, is, is um, biased, is, is slanted in some straightforward way. Straightforward and easy. <laughs> yeah, and straightforward and easy. That's right. And, and that actually talks, speaks to the exact kind of misconceptions that I'm talking mm -hmm. about is at the bottom of it is this idea that science is simple. Science is easy. And also, I think another um, assumption that people have about science is that it is... Um, 
about black and white answers, mm -hmm. that it's about certainties, that it's about giving you answers that you um, that what that don't ever change. Right. And um, if you so the first thing that I kind of wanted to throw out there is this idea that, you know, that and I, I well, actually, first off, let me say first off that science is a big, huge thing. It, it, it consists of tons of different disciplines or, or areas of research or development or, or inquiry from psychology, from ourselves and our own minds and the way we, we associate with life to um, the nature of life itself through botany and um, biology. Um, down through, um, you know, engineering, the, what we call the hard sciences, where you're dealing with, you know, physical objects mm -hmm. and things you can see, detect, or measure in some fashion. A little hard to see, detect, and measure a soul, but it, it is a lot easier to see and detect uh you know how many? Um, I don't know. Sugar molecules are yeah, in this can the of Coke, of right? Can, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or it, it, precisely, we get into the maths, and maths, of course, are all about science, and science is all about maths. So it's a very large scale subject when you talk about science. It's almost talking about logistics, like you know the, these huge things: ships, planes, buses, trains, cars. All of these things make up logistics. Science is made up of, of so many different things that it's almost silly to talk about it in a in a in a broad sense. It's right. so big. There's, there's like you said, there's so many different branches of it. There's biology, psychology, neurology, you know, and they all do different things and look at different parts of you and exactly. they don't all communicate. Exactly. <laughs> but there are some things we can say about science as a whole that are always true across all of the sciences. And one of those things that we can say about that is that it is a path or a chart or a journey of discovery. Mm -hmm. The thing about science is there are things you don't know and you want to find out. And science is the way that we have come up with that is the best way, the most reliable way to find out about things. It's not the only way by far. But it encompasses all of the techniques and tools that we've used or discovered in order to find out new things. And so one of the things that you'll find that is always true about science is there is a bleeding edge mm -hmm. to that discovery process, a tip of the spear, a, a point where we're right on the edge of discovery. We don't know anything, and we're figuring it out as we go, as we bring in information, look for new information, do experiments, do surveys, do research, do interviews, find out either from people or from the physical universe itself mm -hmm. where are the, and what are the nature of and the specifics of the answers we're looking for. And when you're right on the edge, on the cutting, bleeding edge, where you're out at the very it's end messy. of discovery, it's extremely messy mm -hmm. it's bloody bleeding edge is a great description of it because it's you know you have this idea of a cutting edge you're right on the tip but the bleeding edge is yeah there's blood i mean it's 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 messy it's it's difficult uh it can be painful um mm -hmm. you know there's lots and lots of, of of things you can talk about with this but one of the things that that is always true about science is it is most chaotic it is most random seeming and wild and unknown at that bleeding edge. Mm -hmm. Now, this is kind of, you know, okay, Chris, tell me something I don't know. Well, okay, 
here's something that most people don't seem to really understand right now, is that all of our attention and media focus and the microscope of, of reporting about science, especially in medicine right now with COVID, is focused on that bleeding edge right now. Mm -hmm. Because we all desperately want answers that we don't have already. Right. We want the black and white. This is exactly what you do to get rid of an answer. We don't have that yet. Exactly. We're focusing on that bleeding edge. We're putting all the cameras right on it. And we're saying, well, here it is. Here's what it looks like. And everybody's bitching and moaning and complaining about the fact that the answers change, that the data changes, that the recommendations change based on that data. And they complain about this as though it's science's fault and somehow science is as a subject matter as a whole topic, mm -hmm. right, is unreliable, untrustworthy, um, is it actually even gone so far as to being a nefarious plot and some conspiracy, right? And these things just become, uh, you know, just silly. Yeah. But I wanted to point out this fact that the microscope, you know, the, of, of the, the cameras are all pointed at that bleeding edge. Usually that's not the case. That's no, usually it's like, oh, guess what? They f figured out how to treat today, you know? Exactly. Right. If you are on the bleeding edge of cancer research or diabetes research, excuse me, or other long-term chronic issue research, you would find answers and possibilities and hopeful studies and interesting information and controversial information all over the place. Mm -hmm. That's what it is to do discovery is it's to forward ideas that are controversial, that are weird, that are bright, that are stupid, that are dull, that are interesting, and everything in between to try to throw everything we can at the problem in order to discover more answers. If you don't throw everything against the wall, you're not, not sure what's going to stick. The first thing that sticks might not necessarily be the thing you're looking for. Right. But we will report on the fact that something's stuck to the wall. Oh, well, mm -hmm. it's stuck to the wall. Oh, well, that must mean, no, it doesn't mean anything other than it's stuck to the wall. And the scientists have to figure that out, figure out why it's stuck. What, how long is it sticking? Does that mean it's the same as this other thing that sticks? You, you see, it's still a silly example, but, I'm, you know, but this point of if we all are non-scientists being exposed to this information, being told, well, this is how science works and we're confused by it because it's not giving us solid, reliable black and white answers. Well, the fact is that most of the science you guys see or hear or know about through popular media, entertainment, books, magazines, whatever, is science that is way more settled. You're not talking and looking at stuff way out on that bleeding edge. You're looking at stuff that's gone through processes mm -hmm. called peer review and experimentation and, and you know, ch checking results over and over and over again. When you're out on the bleeding edge, that stuff is all happening in real time and, and people making decisions and, more importantly, um, evaluating the overall value of a subject based on its bleeding edge of discovery is um, has been what has caused, I think, I hope I'm saying this all clearly, is, is what has been causing, I think, a lot of the uh, confusions and upsets and, and, um, and conspiracy theories oh, and other yeah. nonsense that all stem from this, you know? Yeah, I mean, and like we were talking about before, is... 
I think, and I don't necessarily have data to back this up, but I wouldn't be surprised like if most of the time people like me with chronic illnesses, they know exactly where that bleeding edge is because we're always at it, you know, because there's, you know, with type one diabetes, for instance, you know, there's a lot of things we've figured out, but we still haven't figured out how to cure it. We still haven't figured out how to treat it the best way we can possible. Exactly. And we're always at the bleeding edge. We're always getting new technology out and new things, but it's like, sometimes that new technology kills diabetics. So it's always the bleeding edge. And I think, so people with chronic illness get that. They get that there's always this experimentation going on and that science is never settled and there's always going to be something new that you figure out. Exactly. And, and what we tend to, I think, I think with the general public, and when I say we, I mean the big, wide, general public, exposure to science goes, you know, start, if we think about this, starts in school, you get some grades on it, and you move on. And unless you go into a science-oriented field where this is information you're going to be thinking with or using on a fairly daily basis, we tend to forget about it. Mm -hmm. We forget about it right after the test in a lot of cases, <laughs> right? I mean, let's be really honest. But, but in moving forward, yeah, we it's really... it's not a topic that you find interest in yeah no exactly if you were the professor if you had the role of the professor on gilligan's island you know you had, in a real world crash where you're the you know like like you're expected to be the guy who's going to come up with all the Ugh. scientific stuff most people would you know wouldn't even know where to begin um because you kind of have to have a grounding in this stuff to actually practice it mm-hmm um, you know, if I were to ask you right now, what are the optimum conditions for, you know, any experimental uh, situation and how would you ensure and, and, and control for, you know, the uh, experimenters bias or bias on the part of the people who were being interviewed, most people would just fall apart. They wouldn't have any idea how to even begin to, to put together or design a, an experiment or something like that. So... And we know that uh, it comes from this thing that people aren't really super aware of what science is in the first place, which is what I'm trying to sort of talk about here. Mm -hmm. But isn't it interesting how the distrust seems to kind of like here you have a bunch of people who watch TV. Like, let's talk about the TV aspect of this, because this is something I wanted to bring up as the part of this. Crime scene shows. You know what we're talking about. <sighs> Right? <laughs> I mean, it goes back to, you know, police procedurals have been around since the 50s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with Dragnet and the FBI and this and that and the other thing. And coming all the way to Law and Order now and all the Chicago, you and know. CSI and CSI. And CSI and all that. Yeah. yeah, all those shows. They make it look like it happens like that, science, you know. And you're like, no, you're not getting a DNA test in 24 hours. Exactly. <laughs> and I happen to think that between Oprah and Oprah's influence through the 80s and 90s all the way to now and pushing pseudoscience out on the general public, certainly uh, the American public, uh, followed with the police procedurals. And, and it's not any one of them. You have to understand, I'm talking about a wave. I'm talking oh, about wave yeah. after wave after wave of popular entertainment culminating in, uh, most recently, the... Um, the CSI shows. Oh, yeah. CSI Las Vegas, Miami, L.A., CSI New York, CSI here, CSI there, CSI up your butt. I mean, it's everywhere <laughs> except where it should be, which is in an actual scientific laboratory. Because what is shown on those shows is so insultingly wrong. It's yes. so bad that when you have actual familiarity with it, you just you cringe watching this stuff. 
And the, the cringeworthiness of it is not that it's bad plotting, bad pacing, bad dialogue. All that's there, too. But I mean. the problem with these shows is <laughs> that the bad science lingers like a bad taste in yeah, your mouth. People then begin to believe that science works a little differently than it does, that it's quick, that it's easy, that there, it's easy to find the answers. It's like, no, there's all kinds of things that can go wrong, even with DNA. Exactly. And we don't talk about that enough. Exactly. And that's that miseducation or misinformation acts like it's not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to at all infer or imply that this is all being done on purpose and some no. nefarious plot to make everybody stupid. But when you but but popular television, especially Western television, appeals to or attempts to appeal to the you know common lowest common denominator right we want to get maximal amount of views of our show so we're going to present things in the simplest easiest to understand mm -hmm. and digest form and of course you know some of you are listening to me right now and thinking well everybody knows this chris no they don't that's what i'm trying to point out is that not everybody knows that this is all fake right. and that this is all nonsense and that what's shown on those shows isn't real you know that maybe i i certainly know that but they don't. So when they end up on a jury, when they end up on social media, when they end up in an area where now their science knowledge actually matters, mm -hmm. where do they go to draw their science knowledge from? Entertainment, right? Where are they last exposed to it? Headlines, social media, and entertainment. That's where people go for information. And the information that they're provided is not only bad, it's so wrong that you. it would actually be better if you had no information yeah. than to have that level of information where right. you think CSI techs walk around in, in suits around a ha person's house. Without with any protective gear. No mask, no gear, no analysis, no lab work. They just walk around with their pens poking at things and somehow discover the... And you know, somehow it's the CSI guys that go to your door to tell you your family member or loved one is dead. Exactly. No. You know, not to mention the drama <laughs> of drawing guns and all that other nonsense, yeah. right? Which these people don't have anything to do Ugh. with. So, so you really do get this very skewed view. And I have to comment on the fact, knowing what I know about how people think, that it's the repeti repetition of this. You have to appreciate the years and years and years of this that's been going on, the lifetimes, actually, that mm -hmm. this has been going on, which is why I referenced, you know, police procedurals going back all the way to the 50s and 60s. So this has had an impact on our culture, whether you like it or want it to be that way or not. And it has contributed to a general situation of scientific illiteracy, and we've seen that demonstrated loud and proud across social media for the last two years. Mm -hmm. um, some of you guys have, you know, severe disagreements with uh, Fauci and with the government and with mask mandates. Well, okay. Well, you know, there are rights discussions to be had there, but the science and the medicine of it is actually, you know, a pretty good science. But when you're examining, like I said, that bleeding edge and where things are changing on a daily basis as new discoveries are being made, then you're not looking at the science you're used to being given. And they kind of have to, when you're at the bleeding edge, you kind of have to mix the new stuff with the old stuff to see what works, you know? They know that wearing masks in other countries when there was outbreaks of stuff helped lower the infection rate. So, of right. course, that was what they needed to start with. 
Exactly. But remember gloves? <laughs> I mean, yeah. unless you're a Scientologist, you now know that that's not part of protecting us against COVID because it's not spread by surface contamination. That was something we had to figure out, though. Mm -hmm. We didn't know how it was spreading exactly at the beginning. Exactly. And so people look at that that change in the course of science through discovery, and they think, ah, you didn't know what you were talking about. No, I'm sorry, but you don't know what you're talking about because that's how the scientific process works. And if you're delivered your daily dose of pseudoscience on TV and you think that's how science works, well, that's the point I was trying to make. Yeah, like going back to the diabetes thing. I mean, it's only been this year, 100 years since they discovered insulin, and we're still trying to figure out how to make it better. And it's like, so you can't expect people to figure out a giant pandemic in five minutes and be like, here's the answer. It's all good. Okay, it's been two months. It's over. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, given the time frame we've been involved with here, the, you know, development and uh -huh. proliferation of a vaccine, a series That's of vaccines. Amazing, yeah. It's it's blow away amazing. It really is. And and the scientists and, and medical professionals who've been dealing with this over all these years, you know, certainly deserve a, a round of applause and a good clap on the back. Um, you know, it, it, it occurs to me that one of the problems with authority these days is really just a matter of uh, inconvenience. I don't want to be super, super cynical here, but I do want to, I do observe human behavior quite a bit. And I, and I'm trying to pay attention to it and, and how we can help more people more often. And one of the things that's really interesting about the whole anti-authority push that we see, not just within the world of COVID, but in general, we've been, I mean, Isaac Asimov commented on scientific illiteracy and, and the sort of pushback against you know, authority that we see, you know, that's been going on for decades. Well, a lot of that has to do also with the fact that people are simply inconvenienced. It's really wild how people will decide who their authority figures are. Mm -hmm. We talk about how they are, you know, the, the authority figures from when you're young and, and your educators and your religious leaders and your parents and perhaps teachers who stood out to you or something. But there's also a matter of just of just this is inconvenient. Therefore, I'm not going to believe it. Yeah, <laughs> we've seen way too much of that. This, yeah. this it these sucks years. to wear a mask, guys. But guess what? It sucks worse dying, and it sucks worse being the reason somebody else is dying. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know? I don't like wearing masks. It's you know, but I got to do it for my health and everybody else's health. Precisely. Mm. So I think the only reason, the only reason I wanted to open that door or go in that direction at all was to shine some light on the, on the sort of the, 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 you know, there's propaganda, there's indoctrination, there's influence. We talk about this, a spectrum of influence and, and people are absolutely being influenced by propaganda. But let's be clear that underneath the, you know, why would somebody be susceptible to propaganda in the first place? Because that propaganda in some way has touched on or triggered in that person something they already think or feel or agree with in that propaganda. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, just it added on to it. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, it wouldn't bite. Mm -hmm. And if you know, and if your basic position is, well, I just don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want my life to change. I don't want other people's health and and safety concerns to to influence my life in any way because I don't care about them. And let's be blunt, some of us are that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, really. 
um, then you get, you know, this also this kind of pushback on this stuff. And to kind of, t you know, it's interesting, usually I'll start broad and go narrow, but this time we're kind of starting narrow and going broader here. As I wanted to also mention that part of the reason for this, one of the reasons why we have this anti-authority, anti-science pushback is um, comes out of academia. And this is something that I talked about a bit um, with some guests last year. This has to do with the whole critical theory stuff. You know, we have critical race theory, we have critical gender theory, but underneath that you have critical theory and underneath that you have postmodernism. And it's a huge, huge topic worthy of lots and lots and lots of hours of study and research and look. So I'm not trying to be reductionist here, but there's a particular principle that goes along in postmodernism that's a very, very important one. And that has to do with deconstructing our narratives and the, the idea of, of, of thinking in narratives, but also the idea, the very, very basic fundamental idea that truth is relative. That, that there is no such thing as objective truth or reality. And one of the things that, and this is called postmodernism because it's a pushback against the enlightenment principles of rationality and scientific method and, and rational discourse and the idea that we can bring rationality or mm -hmm. critical thinking to people. It's a discipline. It's something you have to work on. But truth is discoverable. There are such things as objective truth that yeah. you and I can agree are true. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that the earth goes around the sun, I think yeah, we were talking about yeah, this, exactly. right? Certain planets orbit our sun. End of story. <laughs> right. This is, this we could call an objective truth. It's yeah. inarguable. The evidence is clear. We can literally see it with our own eyes. It's not really something worth arguing about. You know, you could talk about, um, things from different perspectives, I suppose, if you're going to bring in, you know, particle physics or something like yeah. that. But at the end of the day, in the life, in the lived experience of you and me, we can look up in a telescope and we can see Mars going around the sun and go, Hey, yeah. there it is. Yeah, exactly. You know? So when we talk about objective truth, or at least when I bring up stuff like that, that's what I'm talking about. Right. right? It, and it does exist. It's not that Mars orbits the sun for me but it doesn't for her right it does no matter what <laughs> like whether you believe it or not it does exactly it's, <laughs> it's always true that that's the case right now it hasn't always been true and it won't always be true but it's always true right now right and and we can show this we can we have evidence for this we can prove this but that does not mean that we know everything there is to know about the universe yet either Oh gosh, no! How many universes there are? You know. Well, no, but when we but, talk about when we talk about relative truths, on the other yeah. hand, here we're talking about, um, you know, to what degree do you like, um, you know, chocolate ice cream versus vanilla ice cream? Right. Saying one is better than the other isn't exactly true. It's which flavor you like more is better than the other. Exactly. That you have an opinion is an objective truth. What your opinion is on the matter is the relative mm -hmm. part. It, you're, it's open to change. It's up. It's open to your whim. It's up to your moment, moment to moment feelings or judgment. And so, it's a changeable, malleable, relative truth. It changes depending on other factors. The fact that Mars is circling the sun doesn't change no matter what you say or do. No, no other truth changes that truth. Yeah, the only thing that might change yeah. that is like 
maybe if something happened really bad in space. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Something exploded. <laughs> and then we'd be hearing about it pretty quick. Yeah. So, so anyway, I wanted to bring that up because it's, it's, um, there have been a lot of arguments made uh, for and against and, and about postmodernism and deconstructionism and, and, the, and the, the concepts and, and critical theories and other things that come out of that. And, um, and, I've, and I've had a few things to say about that stuff, but really what I'm trying to kind of put out there right now is this sort of fertile ground that was plowed by academia, by philosophy, by you know, high-minded thinkers that's, that, that starts in academia, starts in ivory towers, starts as philosophical discussions, but filters down through academia mm -hmm. into popular conversation and subjects, and, and it becomes the subject of TV shows and movies and things you might not even know when you're watching it that this is what you're being given because the writer, you know, or the people who put it together had ideas about truth and they want to put it into a story and tell it to you. And you come out the other end going, oh, truth is relative. It doesn't, you know, your truth is different from my truth. And and you want to be accepting. You want to be open to other mm -hmm. people's ideas. And so we buy into this concept that truth is relative all the way up into the point that now vaccine truth is relative and science becomes relative truths. And that's where things get a little goofy in the head because science isn't about relative truth. Science is about objective truths. It's about actual things you can prove and show and, and perceive and measure and experience. It's not about faith-based mm. ideas. Right. Right. Science can't really go there very well. And we can see how difficult it is when we get into subjective, purely subjective subjects like psychology. Yeah. Where truths become very, ooh, you know, how what yeah, do you say? I mean, there's still so much to learn about your brain, why it does the things it does, why it dysfunctions the way it does when it does, you know, why is it that some people get depressed all the time and other people don't, you know, like we are right. still figuring that out. Exactly. We are at the bleeding edge of mental health because we don't have it figured out yet. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's, that's where I am because that's what I work on, yeah. you know, and trying to communicate about that and trying to get that across to people is sometimes difficult. And it has mm -hmm. to do with that conflict we talked about at the beginning about the bleeding edge versus the more yeah. settled science that people are more used to hearing about. You know, when you read articles or you read things about studies that have been done and compared and meta-analyses of studies to studies and all this kind of stuff, you're reading about stuff generally after it's already been kind of chewed on for a while, after scientists have engaged in what we call peer review, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and peer review after peer review and people piling on and, well, I don't know about that. Well, what about this part? Well, I tried to replicate this and it didn't work. You know, we have a replication crisis right now throughout science that's kind of interesting. So um, so there are issues there. It's not like science is a perfect process. It's, it's you know, it's engaged no, upon by I human mean, beings. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in psychology and psychiatry that have been studied over and over again. But I, I feel like we still, the, that we still don't even know the cause yet. So that's why I say bleeding edge with that. Because oh, absolutely. Like, 
we don't even still know exactly what's causing all this stuff. So until we do, I feel like you don't have the answer. No, that's that, that's that, that's exactly. You right. have a, a lot of ideas and things that seem to be helping, but why and how? Exactly. We're looking. <laughs> what we're looking for, you could say, in the social sciences, especially for me in the area of psychology, is we are looking for objective facts. Mm-hmm. They are hard to find when you're dealing with purely subjective experiences. Yeah, everyone's you know? different. Well, it's interesting how I can go through an experience, a traumatic experience that anybody would look at and go, yeah, it was a traumatic experience. You could experience the exact same thing, same location, same time, same place, same abuser, same trauma. Mm-hmm. And we can come out with completely different interpretations and ideas about that experience and different lingering effects from that experience. So you, so you know right off Wow, something, there's something else going on here than just the trauma always does this. Because the trauma doesn't always do this. So you can, you know, you can acknowledge the trauma exists, but what does it do to the person? What does it do for the person? How do we, how do, you know, how does this all work? So, you know, so now we're questioning the whole model of it. And we should. We should always be questioning and checking things like that. You know, psychology and psychiatry are born out of medical models where it's where one assumes that there's some kind of illness or problem mm-hmm. with the person and we have to cure it. And if we can just dr- drill down right, in there and right. get the right label for the right condition, then we'll cure it. And we're finding that that model is just not working at all. It's really not. The labels are not helpful or useful in so many ways. And, um, you know, and now we've got psychotropics, which is just kind of a Band-Aid on the whole thing. And that's the best. That's sort of the, the cutting edge of what we've got to deal with this stuff. So, you know, so nobody pretends that any of this is easy. But where I wanted to go with this was to talk about the, the nature of truth itself when we're studying or researching has to be kept front and center at all times. And that is that there is an extraordinary difference between objective truth is real and we can discover it. And all things are relative, and truth is a completely relative quantity depending completely on your narrative experience, your background, education, and, and viewpoint. You know, both of those things happen to be true, but what topic are you talking about? What subject are you looking at? How are you looking at it? You know, is how we sort of differentiate those two things, and we're really, really, really bad at it. And I guess I just wanted to sort of talk talk about this at sort of thinking about all this stuff at the end of the year after two years of COVID where you're like, remember that it used to be that you would a zombie apocalypse or avoid it like the plague. Uh-huh. You know, these phrases we would use that are now meaningless in our culture. Yeah, that we realized there would people be people running towards the zombie hordes that's right or join you yeah they don't avoid the plague at all they they (laughs) embrace it they love it they want it more of it you know give me more plague i mean it's really quite something and i guess we needed to all kind of live through it to to dredge up the fact that this has actually happened every time there's been a plague Mm -hmm. we just kind of didn't pay attention to to it because it didn't touch our lives and now you know our christmas isn't happening because anti-vaxxers and lack of adequate immunizations and boosters and problems. So it's touched our lives. And so here I am talking about it. Here we are talking about it because it has to be And it will touch your life. I think I was, I didn't know that I was totally delusional or anything, but it just kept not touching our lives. So I was like, okay, maybe it won't, maybe we'll get through this. And now it's touching our lives. 
Yeah. So, exactly. you know, it's, it's like, it, don't think that it isn't going to happen in, in your life with someone that you care about or yourself, you know? Exactly. Mm. And, and let's, and let's um, be super clear that while we might, while some people might think, oh, you're so privileged. It's like, no, no, we've been following all the rules. We've been doing all the right things. It's just, you know, we've been lucky for mm -hmm. that for the last two years. COVID really hasn't hit our family. It hasn't hit our intimate connections. And now it has, you know, mm -hmm. we've got, we've got friends, we've got family and, um, and we, we're, we're not freaking out like everybody would have been a couple years ago where it first hit and it was death mm -hmm. and ventilators and mm -hmm. hospital stays. And, you know, the chances were pretty high that was going to happen. We've made enough progress now. And of course, Thankfully. with the Omicron variant, you know, when we, all of our friends and family are vaccinated, are working on either getting their boosters or have them. And even then, we're still seeing breakthrough cases. So it's and not because it keeps mutating because it keeps having people to mutate in. My point. Exactly. Get vaccinated. Get vaccinated. Because <laughs> all this mutation happens, one of the reasons for it, again, I'm not trying to be a scientist here, just what I've read is very clear that if way more of us had been vaccinated way earlier, the spread of this would have been significantly less. Mm -hmm. And these waves that have been happening probably would still be happening, but to a much less degree, or maybe they wouldn't be happening, yeah. actually, if we're really being optimistic. So, so our actions do matter. The things we do matter. If you're listening to this right now, you matter. And, and, and we have a lot of faith in you. We want you to we want you to help us yeah. out and help the world out by following what the science yeah. says. And this is one of those know? situations where we don't get to wait for five or ten years to make sure the medicine works. Yeah. We don't get to do we that. We just don't have that option. Because <laughs> if know? we wait that long, it's it's gonna be worse. I mean, we've almost got a million people dead in this country from it, so Yeah. So it's kind of bad. Yeah. So anyway, um, wanted to talk about those things on a broad kind of basis um, because they were on our mind here at the end of this year. Excuse me. Um, I guess we'll probably, you know, this this short little message on this. We do want to wrap up with more holiday cheer, though, because yes. as, you know, as upset as we might get at people, not you watching this right now, yeah. but just people in general, as I'm sure you guys have, you know, it's sometimes it's just it, your teeth are gnashing in frustration over it. I really get it. Um, but we need to find reasons to move past that and have... Um, have some some hope and some perspective anyway. And all things considered, you know, I guess if I'm looking at worst case scenarios, you know, yes, this could have been significantly worse. And there are so many ways that it could have been significantly worse. So we so in the bigger picture, there's a lot more positive than negative. I just want this to be over. And I know you guys do, too. And so I wanted to throw some data out there to give you guys some food for thought to think about the subject of science and how to talk about it with other people and how to get them on board with it so that we get more science. I'm not pretending or under some delusion that we're going to have a bunch of scientifically literate Americans overnight <laughs> or, or maybe ever, you know, <laughs> uh, but those of us who do get it and do understand, yeah. I feel that if there's any call to action here, it's that we do share some level of responsibility to share what we know 
and I guess I'm just trying to encourage that and maybe see if we can't do more of that yeah. in this new year Let's without try to prevent idiocracy. Well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, on an upbeat note, not a downbeat yeah. one, you know, it's like we can do better. How can we do better? What yeah. can we take from the last two years and say, okay, that didn't work. Yelling and screaming over social media didn't work. Insulting people, calling them cultists, doing this, doing that. None of that worked. None of that was effective. None of that seemed to move the needle. I'm wondering, I've, I've noticed more and more with friends and, and family stories is that I think might help change the tide too, is a lot of people, even to their own family, are saying things like, you're not coming to Christmas, you're not coming to Thanksgiving, you're not coming to this birthday party because you're not vaccinated. Yeah. Let's deal with it, you know? And I think... Once people get more and more isolated, they don't have a job, they don't have friends or family that don't want to, that want to hang out with them anymore. You know, no one wants to see them. They're going to get vaccinated because they're going to be broken alone. And if that's the social <laughs> cost, that's a small price to pay for, you know, for the health, for safety and security yeah. of people on a, on a nationwide basis. Um, you know, and it, but, but we can do it without being weird, without being stupid, mm -hmm. without being the angry, irritating person. We can do it without being all those things. And um, that's what I want to try to focus on more in this new year is how to do it better. So, you know, you might hear more from me in the coming year about street epistemology and discussions and conversation and talk about this stuff. Um, I'm not necessarily in this podcast trying to model all the best behavior. You know, I've been bitching a little bit, but I'm just trying to say that we need to step up our game on science communication and on um, improving science literacy all around. And I think if we know why people are not going to the right authorities, not looking to the science, not paying attention to the rules as well as they should. I think we can, if we can understand why that is, maybe we can tackle it better than just mm -hmm. assuming everybody's an asshole and they're all just trying to kill us. Exactly. You know, and maybe we can actually have better conversations with people about this. Always my goal and uh, our goal, really, you yeah. know, and uh, always the effort here. So, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of. That doesn't mean they don't frustrate us too, though. They do. Oh, endlessly so. <laughs> endlessly so. You catch me in the right mood and, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll tear in. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, you know, I, I want, I know that we can't communicate about this stuff in a way that we can expect other people to hear us yeah. if we're shouting at them and screaming names at them and, and, and are condescending to them and not respecting them as people, not respecting their stupid ass beliefs. I'm talking about them as a person. You're never going to get anywhere with somebody if you can't, re if they don't feel, um, you know, respected and, yeah. and, and being talked to as a, as an equal. So very, very important points that we need to reiterate at the end of this yep. year. And, uh, and that's, that's our holiday show for this yeah. year. <laughs> next year, we're going to do our, sorry, next week, next week's podcast, I'm going to do my usual end of the year review. Scientology, Scientology and otherwise have a lot of things to say about that because, of course, we've been seeing some incredibly interesting insider reveals lately about Scientology. And oh, yeah. So we'll have some commentary on that. But um, I hope that this was uh, in some fashion informative, entertaining and educational for you. And I hope that uh, in this new year, we will see further growth of this channel, this podcast, this work I'm doing as I um, wrap up my master's at the beginning of this next year. I'm, I'm 
my final paper is due at the end at the beginning of February. And um, so you're not going to hear a whole lot from me through January. I'm going to be real bare minimum. I'm just getting my nose to the grindstone and pounding through that thing. But once that's done, um, boy, I've got some plans. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening and watching and being a awesome critic of this show and this channel. And, yeah. uh, and have a great Christmas, guys. In whatever circumstances you're in, I hope you make the best of it. And I hope that 2022, or sorry, 2021, draws to a close for you uh, it with, with a smile on your face and joy in your heart. Hopefully we can get rid of this thing in 2022. Big time. <laughs> Big time. All right, guys. Thanks again. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.